Well, Laura and I would like to thank everybody for the chance to take um, a little bit of time off to go on a family vacation to Florida. And so uh, thank you to uh, Troy for preaching for us and for Jim Browning as well um, and for Riley and Clint leading worship for us and everybody else who pitched in for us to be able to be away. Um, It was a good chance to to have some family time as we uh, got to enjoy uh, the not sunny Florida as uh, the tropical storm started to come in. But it was good. It was a good time away. So let's pray together, and then we will uh, jump into our time in the Word. God, we thank you so much for the blessings that you give us. Um, God, you, you have given us uh, so much. And in the midst of the storms, and in the midst of the trials, in the midst of, of crisis, the things that come up in our, our journeys, God, you are there. You are the cornerstone and we are able to, to anchor ourselves to you uh, in uncertain times. So God, I pray that you will speak to us, that you will encourage us, uh, that you will challenge us this morning as we uh, spend time with you and your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, in ancient times, there was a, a mass-produced beverage container uh, called amphora. Uh, These were these clay jars that were made to transport wine by merchants. And so they would would make these containers, they would would form these out of clay. Some would be decorated if it was going to the upper class, but for the most part they were very basic containers that could be used to ship wine uh, in ships. Um, When they were full, they were about 100 pounds, so not just our typical milk jug, right? (laughs) Uh, They were a little weighty, and and they would use these, load them into a ship, they would run ropes between the two handles that were there to help stabilize them, and then they would would ship them to these different ports to be able to to, uh, send their wine out to different communities. Um, And so sending an empty jar back was not economical. And so most of the time, these jars were just destroyed and put in a trash heap. Um, There's a large hill outside of Rome that's 100 feet high and almost a mile wide uh, that is not a natural hill at all. It is a trash heap and made up of nearly 53 million of these amphora, these jars that have been destroyed over, over time. And so we, too, have our search for inexpensive beverage containers, right? Uh, In the 20th century, they were the iconic glass bottles of Coca-Cola. And we'd have these glass bottles, and you could exchange them and recycle them or uh, just dispose of them. But, But it wasn't really the container that was important. It was what was inside the container. Now we have plastic for everything. We have plastic water bottles, plastic Coke bottles. Uh, everything comes in plastic. Li- any, any type of, of mass-produced drink that you are likely to get is going to come in something that's plastic. And many of those bottles are disposed of because returning them is not economical. Some of us will recycle them or, or recycle a, a portion of them. Um, and plastic has gotten a lot of bad, uh, bad press lately, uh, just in the last uh, week, actually, in the last couple days. There was this whale that, that died in Thailand because it ingested 17 pounds of plastic from the ocean. Um, in the Pacific Ocean, uh, there is what is called the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, roughly the size of two 
of Texas that is floating around in there. What is right? I had to look it up in multiple places to make sure that that was actually correct, that, that, that twice the size of Texas is this floating trash heap somewhere between Hawaii and California going through the currents, uh, mostly plastic. And so such a large concentration of debris, of course, makes it difficult to navigate. Uh, it makes it difficult for sea life. Um, part of our trip this last week was going to the Clearwater Marina, and we could see the damage that, that plastic and fishing line and things like that do to sea life creatures um, and, and the rescue efforts of helping those sea life. But all that to say that, that we are in pursuit of these plastic containers and, and these disposable containers, things that are not important. What is important to us is what's inside the container, not what's outside the container. Those are disposable. Those we get rid of, we cast those off. And so this morning we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And look at this analogy that Paul gives us using disposable containers. And so maybe the clay jar just doesn't really resonate with you. We don't have a lot of those on our shelves in the refrigerator, right? So uh, maybe a plastic bottle. When you think about this image, you think of a plastic bottle. You think of something that's disposable. You think of something that it has no real value in and of itself. It's what's inside of it. It's, it's the cola that's inside of it. It is how purified the water is, or they make you think it is, on the inside of the bottle. Um, the outside of the bottle really is not the important thing. And so Paul is writing in a time here where he is under attack in Corinth. Uh, things, things are kind of challenging for him. Uh, because the church there is questioning his authority, questioning his character, questioning his motivation for why he preaches the gospel. And so instead of defending himself and coming up with an explanation as to why he is fully qualified to be a part of this gospel message, instead of defending himself, he deflects that criticism and is constantly pointing people to the truth of Christ. That it is not Paul, it is not his qualifications, it's not his ability, it is the message of Jesus. It is Christ crucified that is the message. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, Therefore, therefore is always a connecting, a connecting term, right? So something has happened before. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So the ministry that Paul has that is under attack, that is being criticized, he says, I have that by the mercy of God, and I am not going to lose heart. You can say whatever you want about me, but I'm not going to lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We're not going to use crazy tactics or, or manipulate things to get your attention. We're not going to use gimmicks or tricks. We have renounced those things. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
So let's pause there for a moment before we get to our jars of clay. We start with this word, therefore, which is connecting it to what was previously said. And what was previously stated was that Paul has been using this grand language. He's been using these analogies to persuade his listeners. He's been talking about who Jesus is, and he's painted an image of what it means to be a Christian minister, what he has been called to do. And now it comes down to reality. What does that really mean? What does it mean for everyday living? Does the gospel change anything in our lives? Does it impact anything? And so the first thing he says is, is I do not lose heart. Because it is through God's mercy that I've been given this ministry, that I've been given this calling, that I've been given this responsibility. It's through God and his gift. It's given to us by God, and we can be confident in who God is to carry out that mission. That if, if we are called to be messengers of Jesus, then we can be confident that God will provide for us in that that we don't lose heart because it is the mercy of God that gave it to us in the first place. And so because of this, Paul can, can lay out the truth plainly. He doesn't have to use gimmicks. He doesn't have to use tricks. He doesn't have to use slick marketing. He says the message is simple. But Satan is at work in the world around us to distort and confuse that. He's at work to blind us to the truth and the light of Jesus. And so we're unable to see the glory of Christ because the enemy is at work. Let's continue reading in verse 5. For what we preach is not ourselves. He says it's not, it's not his qualifications. It's not his experience. It's not Paul that is important. They do not preach themselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay in plastic bottles, in disposable containers. We have this treasure in this disposable container to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us. But life is at work in you. So Paul gives us this mouthful here. 
Lots to process through. He gives us this imagery of jars of clay, these, these disposable beverage containers, and says that, that it's not about the container. The container itself had no value. That was not the important piece. The, what was important to the merchants what was, was what was on the inside of those containers. That it was the wine, it was the product that they were selling. That's what had value. Some of the jars would be decorated in an effort to, to, to help improve the outer appearance, but what was most important, what was most valuable, what was, was what was on the inside. And the same for our plastic bottles today, right? You can decorate them up, but ultimately you're just going to throw them away or recycle them. It's what's on the inside that is important. Now, Corinth was this major port, so as he is, is telling them this story, they're definitely going to have this imagery of, of, of the docks that are filled with these jars, hundreds or thousands of these jars waiting to, waiting to be loaded up and shipped. And so they see this visual aid as he's describing what the kingdom of God is like, what it means to see the glory of Christ in us and through us. For these jars, the content of the jar was the real wealth. You had, you had vineyard owners who, who would say, who, who would be able to, to grow these crops that were incredibly delicate and fragile. Grapes don't last long, right? And so by turning it into wine, they now had a product that could last and that they can distribute further than just their immediate community. And so the wealth was in the contents of these jars. This was the potential payoff for them, what was important. And so these clay jars become this perfect metaphor for Paul as, as he writes to the Corinthians. He's, he's identifying himself and us as well, identifying with these clay jars. That Paul is saying, I'm just a clay jar. I'm just this disposable container. What is really important is what is in me. That's the treasure. And that treasure is Jesus. That Jesus is dwelling in him, and there's no need to, to seek acclaim or recognition for himself because that's not important. For Paul, he's not trying to promote himself. He says, no, you've got it all wrong. It's not about him. It's not about his reputation. It's not about uh, drawing attention to him. It's about proclaiming Jesus. That we're just clay jars. We're just these vessels. We're just these containers. We aren't anything special in and of ourselves. We have no value. We have no merit by ourselves. We're just disposable carriers for the real treasure, and that real treasure is Jesus dwelling in us. Paul's desire is that his preaching, that his teaching, that his ministry would not bring him recognition, that would not bring him uh, notoriety or fame. What he's doing is wanting people to see Jesus as Lord. Now there's a lot that Paul could brag about. He was educated, he was talented, he was experienced. You look at Philippians th uh, chapter 3 verses 4 through 8 and he lists off all the things that he could brag about. Which is a little ironic in and of itself, but that's a different lesson. So he lists out all these things that he could brag about, right? 
And so here he is. He is born into the people of Israel. He's distinguished in his ancestry. He is exalt, has this exalted status as Pharisee. He is flawless in record. He is a persecutor of heresies even though that included Christianity, as well as all the progress he made in the pursuit of righteousness. This is a great guy. He's got it all right. Lots to brag about, but he considers all of that rubbish. All of that is rubbish. All of that is to be cast away, to be disposed of, compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And so he turns his back on this personal fame, on this personal recognition, and he gives all glory to Christ. He says, I'm just a container. I'm just an everyday clay jar. Don't pay attention to me. Focus your praises on the one that is important, the one that he is bringing to us, the one that he is delivering in this container, Jesus, the Lord. And so this outward form, this earthen vessel, it's, it's not the point. It's only the message that he bears that is worthy of paying attention to. And that is the good news of Jesus. And so Paul goes on to say that these, these jars of clay that we're carrying around in, in, our, in our body, that in these jars of clay, we carry around in them the body of, in our body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed, that Jesus is in us, so that Jesus can be revealed to others. And so Paul is redirecting us, redirecting our, our, our perspective away from Paul and the others as a speaker, and directing them towards the hardship, towards the distress, toward the failures that often accompany life. That, that it's in these moments of weakness that it becomes painfully obvious that God is at work in marvelous ways, that, that in the death that is occurring, in the, in the weakness that is occurring, God is glorified. And so Paul's focus is, is on this weakness, and it directs us to the main point, that God had entrusted his glorious message. He had entrusted this message of salvation to fragile people, to broken individuals, to mere clay jars in order to demonstrate his surpassing glory. That if he can use just this plain clay jar to carry out his mission, then all glory goes to God. It's not the carrier. It's not the container. It is God himself. Because there's nothing special in and of itself in the container. And so Jesus himself is our model for this, right? We see this in the life and death of Jesus, that he has all the power and privilege of heaven, but he leaves that and comes to earth. He comes to be among us, to dwell among us, and he gives all of that up to suffer humiliation, to suffer insults, and finally to experience death. But death is not the end. Death is has not had the final word. Jesus is raised from the dead, and the, he's the great victor over sin and death. And that last verse there, verse 12, 
in the New Living Translation, says it this way, so we live in the face of death, but he knew that his suffering would result in eternal life. And so this death that we experience, this hardship that we experience, the humiliation, the insults, leads to death, but death is not the end. It results in eternal life. That there is more than what we see here. Paul lived in, in the face of death, but he knew that his suffering would result in eternal life. That his suffering was only a small, temporary thing. And so this really is, is the ultimate example of shedding all self, selfishness, shedding all desires, shedding all ambition for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. That the, the clay vessel carries in it something of tremendous value. So, so much so that the vessel itself really has no value. That is disposable. Now, this is hard for us to really wrap our heads around. This is hard for us to really embrace because we live in a world that is so influenced by ambition and achievements. Saying that it's about having the best jar. Decorate that clay jar. Impress people with that clay jar. Glaze it and, and, and bling it up. Because the jar is the most important thing. And my jar needs to stand out above and beyond your jar. That's the world we live in, right? Get a more educated jar. Get a bigger jar. A wealthier jar. Multiple jars. <laughs> and that's what the world tells us to do, right? And so we're in, per in pursuit of the jar, but that's just a container that's going to go in a trash heap. As many of them as you have, as pretty as it is, as decorated as it is, as much time as you've put into it, that goes in the trash heap because what is of ultimate purpose and value is what dwells inside of it. And that is Jesus Christ. That everything is about the glory of Christ. And so could it be that we have an enemy that is veiling what is reality, that is, is creating darkness and saying, focus on the jar. It doesn't really matter what's in it. You can put something in there later. It's okay if it's pretty empty. But focus in on the jar. Could it be that we carry these empty jars around with us, forgetting what is of value? That it is, it, it is that we carry Jesus with us and we lose sight of that. It's a treasure that surpasses anything else any one of us could possibly achieve. And it is this gift. The mercy of God gives this treasure to us. It's not our own. It is not earned. We didn't do anything to get it and deserve it. But we need to reach out and gratefully receive it. 
And so will you this morning refocus not on the disposable container, the one that we put so much work into, and will you focus in on the gift of Jesus that radiates out of us? And so will others experience the glory of Christ because of their experience with us? Will they see that it is not about that clay jar? It is about the glory of Christ shining through. And so there are a lot of shiny things in this world that distract us. Lots of things that want to pull us away. But even the most impressive the most shimmering material success, that fanciest jar that somebody has is nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as our Lord. And so it is, it is with our baptism that, that it symbolizes the dying to self and being, being buried with Christ and then being resurrected with Christ and, and filled with the Spirit to radiate His glory. We see that imagery in baptism. And we see it at the table every Sunday as we gather together to be reminded that there is a greater treasure with us than anything that we've created, anything that we've accomplished that we remind ourselves and we remind one another of the things that Satan tries to distract us with, that it's not about the clay jars, it's about Jesus as Christ. And so we look at these clay jars of our lives and we see beyond that. We see beyond the temporary, we see beyond the broken and the cracked to the treasure of Jesus Christ. And we seek to be radiating that out in everything that we do. Let's stand as we pray together. We want to use this time as, as an opportunity to, to respond in some way to what God is saying to us. We, we ask God, what, what are you saying? And then what are you going to do about it? And so it may be a time that you uh, personally, between you and God, spend some time in prayer. It may be that you want to come pray with one of the shepherds or, or come and pray with me. You can get together as a, as a life group or friends or family to, to pray with one another and, and, and to kind of process together, what is God saying to us in this? How can we shift our focus from the physical and shift our focus from, from the temporary to the disposable and on to radiating the glory of Christ. Let's pray together. God, we, we love you, and we thank you for loving us, for showing us your mercy and giving us the gift of Jesus. So God, we, we claim that this morning, that it's not about us, it's not about our efforts, it's not about our reputation, it's not about uh, the things that we do, but it is about you and Christ radiating through us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.